Back in Laurel's bedroom, Kate continued to work on Laurel, which did not work. Why can't you treat me like that baby Yeti you and your classmates saved sophomore year? You took such good care of it in the book. Uh, that Yeti gave my friend Paul rabies. Oof, really? Whatever happened to Paul? There wasn't much else in the book about him, only that he liked to eat paste. Total red shirt, am I right? Red shirt? Hey, he was a kid who existed, Kate. But, yeah, yeah, he was kind of a red shirt. Uh, what? Oh, God, now my mom is texting me? Huh, huh, where did I put the sage bundles? I need to smudge my phone. You're not going to text her back, but you guys are so close in the book. No, I haven't spoken to my mother in years, for good reason. But she saved your life, and you don't even call on your birthday? Ouch. Yeah, I am done taking trips down trauma lane with you. Listen, for your safety and mine, uh, Sybil went to go get Marshall Robigas. You're going to mind wipe me? Uh, Damn it! That book is way too detailed! Screw this! I'm not getting mind wiped! No, you, no, 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 Kate, you cannot go! Yes, I can! Escaping crappy situations is one of my special- No, let go! We just heard a clip from Third Eye as Felicia Day leads an all-star voice cast of Sean Astin, Neil Gaiman, Lily Pichu, London Hughes, Alan Tudyk, and Will Wheaton, and not to mention an appearance by Weird Al Yankovic and they play characters to slightly off-center in a supernatural world of San Francisco, with some themes that resonate in our real world. Here is a creator and performer, Felicia Day. Well, for the pop culture references and uh, the humor and the writing and the cast, it's just a lot of fun. Oh, that's so nice to hear. You're one of the few first few people who've listened to it outside the production. So it's so exciting to hear feedback about what people think of it, because I've been working on it for so long. I don't have any perspective anymore. I, I hear you. I hear you there. So how did this all come to you? How did this idea to do something like this come to you? Well, it's been a long and winding road. I started working on this project in 2015. I ended the Guild, which was a web series I created, very well known on the internet. Um, and I was kind of busy with my company, Geek and Sundry, but I really wanted to write another vehicle for me as an actor, especially for television. So I came up with this idea of a sitcom with this sort of motley sci-fi supernatural crew. And I was convinced that it was the best idea I've ever had. And I pitched it as a television series once um, I sold my company. And unfortunately, it didn't get sold. And I was frankly so crushed by that process that I kind of stopped writing for a little while. I was also very burnt out for other reasons. But um, in 2018-19, I actually got an interview or a meeting with Audible. And they really responded to this idea. And when they read the script I had written, they were like, great, let's do this long form. And it was wild uh, to be able to say, oh, we're going to make a whole season of television, but in audio. And that's what we ended up doing. I was supposed to have actually a TV writing staff, like several other writers to help me write. But COVID hit and it turned out that I was kind of alone. And I just did it. I, I took out the challenge and over several years, I, I wrote this and we put it into production last year and we're finally releasing it. It really is surreal to actually get it out into the world. It's it's truly been a label of love and I hope people love it as much as I do. There's more with Felicia Day on her audio drama on Audible, Third Eye in a Moment. Well, I'll tell you one thing I love is this cast. Uh, yourself, hey. London Hughes, Sean oh. Astin, and Neil Gaiman as the narrator. Uh, and yes. Christopher Judge, too. How did you get some of these great folks? Will Wheaton, of course, is in there, too. 
Yeah, I mean, most of them are friends. So <laughs> Neil, I consider a friend, uh, which is surreal to say. Will is a, a great collaborator of mine. He's been in all of my work, and I wrote this part specifically for him. Uh, Lily Pichu is someone I had seen. She plays Kate, the the young girl who comes into my life, and she is really just so brilliant in this part. Um, it really is at the heart of it, a, a, a kind of a mentor uh, piece about you know a very broken person played by me, Laurel, who's a failed chosen one, and how this girl comes in as an admirer for the first time in forever, and they and she turns. Laurel's world, topsy-turvy. So Lily Peach is amazing. The only person in the cast I didn't know personally um, was London Hughes. And that's, I found her because Jonah Ray, who I worked with on another TV show, um, directed me on that. And I had him voice direct this one. And I said, hey, well, I need this blousy sort of fairy princess who's super entitled but also really sketchy. And he's like, and I want her to have a British accent. And he's like, well, I know this stand-up. London and I looked her up and within 30 seconds I was like sold so I couldn't hope for a bigger you know a better cast every single person from the bigger parts to the small cameo that like Weird Al does it's just wild and almost all of them were favors <laughs> so thank you friends yeah as far as the script itself did mm -hmm. the actors have a little bit of room when they recorded to kind of play with words a bit you know, I would say that 95% of it is scripted, but for sure, you know, here and there, we had some people throw in some lines. Um, Alan Tudyk in particular is a big, he plays, uh, I don't want to spoil the character, but he plays a really fun character in the piece. And he went wild with some of his improv. I will say that Neil Gaiman has a very big part. He plays this narrator and the narrator is not, he's not just reading a book. He's truly an actor and a fantastic actor. Um, and I couldn't believe some of the lines he was coming up with. And he would be like, oh, I think we need to redo this line. That doesn't quite work. And I'm like, whatever Neil Gaiman wants, Neil Gaiman gets. So I, I, as a collaborative process, when people bring these characters to life in your ear after you've written them on a page by yourself for so long, it is such a joy. And every single actor, whether they were improving or not, brought something beautiful to every single role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil, the writer slipped in there a little bit uh, to the narrator, which is can't, can't help but keep him out, you know? He gets uh, a little snarky. The character that he plays, <laughs> the narrator, he keeps things on, you know, understandable and moving forward, the plot. But also he has a real personality of his own. And as the story goes on, he gets snarkier and snarkier. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I like some of his snarky remarks. Uh, they help uh, make the piece uh, even more fun, if it's possible. Does it help when you have people that have either touched on comedy in their careers or that's part of what they do when they do something like this? For sure. You know, the thing is that comedy is really difficult. And oh, yeah. for me, my my preference is to be more like British comedy. It's not like super, um, super obvious. And it's more self-deprecating than anything. And so I don't want people hitting jokes and make them feel corny. Um, and this, sh you know, to have people go on a journey that's comedic, but also like eight or nine hours long, you can't just do jokes or sketches. You ha really have to have 
continuity, you have to have big story, you have to have stakes, and you also have to have a lot of emotion. And so, yeah, there are a lot of funny one-liners in this, but underneath there's like some wounded people, there are people struggling with problems. And so when you see them either overcome or get overcome by them, uh, you care and that just keeps you going. And so, you know, hopefully it's like a bouncing ball, you know, you're following it along, it's fun, but then you're getting somewhere at the same time. I, I like that in Laurel's case, uh, for example, uh, you know, she failed at something she was supposed to succeed at. And where do you go from there? And we never really see that in, in our stories. You know, it's like maybe the hero has a lot of mountains to overcome, but uh, but not failing. And then what do you do after that? I appreciated that because I think mirrors real life. I mean, that's well, it does mirror real life. It real mirrors my life. And so. Um, I think whenever you start with a main character, you have to have something that deep, I think, in order to have a a character that you could go on a long journey with. And yeah, I, I was a violin prodigy when I was a kid, and I was also somewhat of an internet prodigy when I was an adult. And both times in my life where I was extraordinary, I had, you know, a grandiose fall, or at least in my mind, I didn't live up to what people thought about me. And it was very devastating, especially the one where, you know, I didn't revolutionize internet quite as much as I th everyone thought I did. And these were all in my head, but at the same time, they're real. And how do you have your identity based on um, this reputation, this expectation, and then you fail it. What, I mean, what is it like to be an Olympian who's places 30, 30th, right? But that's a very real thing. And all of us feel failure and all of us feel the pressure of expectation. And being able to channel that personally really let me work through some demons, but it also gave me a character that was really, really fun to play with, um, as well as just kind of subvert some tropes because chosen ones are so common in fantasy and sci-fi and i read all of it you know uh, what 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 can we show people that is a little bit different and i'm really glad you said that i, I appreciate that and i am i am honored oh <laughs> uh, well there's more on third eye with felicia day so stay tuned there, there are people that do projects and they don't have the pulse of what the fan really wants and you're one of the rare few that always had that pulse and knew exactly what fans wanted to see. And that's why you're so popular with us. I really appreciate that. And, you know, every step of the way when I'm making something, um, it's really hard to be in Hollywood and be somebody who wants to play. Because, quite frankly, the needs of Hollywood are completely different from what the fans want uh, often. And so when I pitch things and every time I've gotten in sort of a Hollywood cycle of pitching something and then getting rejected, it's so hard to emotionally deal with that rejection, but also know in my heart that people want to see this. They, they need this. I was told that you shouldn't do a board game show. You shouldn't do D and D live. You shouldn't do a web series about, you know, gamers. Nobody's going to get any of it. And so for some reason, I've got to always, go around the system and release things the hard way, the less lucrative and famous way. But at the same time, I'm making stuff and I'm getting it out to the people who enjoy it. And as long as I can, you know, keep doing that, I'll be happy. I don't need to please Hollywood. If mm -hmm. one day something happens to intersect with Hollywood, that I, a story that I tell, that's great. But I never want to be like beating my head against their door, being rejected and take that into my heart again. Because, you know, just because somebody doesn't like your idea doesn't mean it's not a good idea. And that's, that's right. you know, really hard. Yeah. As far as recording these folks, I mean, some in the old days, they used to record them all together. These days, not so easy. So how is that done? 
Well, we did still record during COVID protocol. So it was, we, we, we actually recorded last October, November, December. So it was still a little bit restricted, but there were certain, um, I was there every single recording session. So if the other actor wasn't in the room, um, I was reading every single part off screen, including my own, which is quite sometimes a juggle. You know, you're juggling a lot at the time. But there, were, um, we actually got to record a lot of the core cast together. So at one time or another, we had Lily um, and London and Sean and Will together in the room. Um, and it really makes that sort of feeling of it being a dialogue and real uh more than most audio projects. Sometimes they can feel a little stilted because you're just cutting people together, but they're not in the room together. They're not playing off each other. And especially for some of the relationships like Will in London and Sean Astin and uh, Janet Varney, who is so funny, and me and Danny Pudi, who play sort of a, uh, um, characters who have a lot to do, and me and Kate, you know? Laurel, the main character, has relationships with everybody, and so it was really important for me to be there. Also, I'm kind of show running as well, so... Uh, it was it was a great experience, and it kind of taught me that doing an audio project like this is much bigger than I thought. It was monumentally vast, and you know all the people behind the scenes make something like this come together in an amazing way and are truly underappreciated. So, kudos mm-hmm. to the producers and all of them, the engineers, the editors, the soundtrack people, all of them. As far as the length of how many episodes did that come together during the writing? where you're like, I think I can do so X amount of episodes, or as you recorded things and put things together, maybe it's like, hey, I think we can get another episode out of this kind of thing. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, their Audible has a really unique, um, uh, I think the length of it was kind of based on the length of an audio book. I think that's kind of like, Audible is very, has, has a lot of information on their um, audience, but also knows what people like. And they're like, well, people want X amount of hours. So what can you do with this? And initially we were going to do 12 half hour episodes, but then when I was breaking the story and sort of laying it out, I was like, well, this works better in 10 chapters that are longer. So I'm going to just, you know, it's more, if you were going to watch like a CW show, it's like a 45, you know, 45 minutes each approximately. And that's what it turned out to be more hour length than half hour. Um, so it was kind of interesting. It was really what the story dictated within, like, I need certain number of hours of content. Um, but the great thing is that there's no way that this story would have ever gotten made through Hollywood. Audible let me tell the story that I wanted. Uh, their input was always very helpful and never limiting. And every step of the way, I felt like I was supported versus like trying to change things to please other people. And that is very unique in Hollywood. And it kind of taught me the lesson that when I come up with my original ideas, I need to do them with a partner like this or alone because I am not, I'm not made to give, give somebody the germ of idea and then just bonsai it to please someone else. It doesn't make me yeah. happy as a creator. I'm really mm-hmm. happy being an actor and a host and a performer. But when it comes to the things I write, they're very personal. And I think I need to just do them on the side and do them in whatever way I can and get them to the audience, because that's what gives me satisfaction as somebody who makes things. There you go. Everything's recorded. And now it goes to other people that have to add in the music and have to sound effects. I mean, you have to have to to kind of flesh out the story. So when that's all done, how long how long of a process is it for like each episode? I mean, I I have to tell you, when I got the cal- the calendar last summer 
from uh, Clamor. It was the production company who helped make it. And then Mumble was the post-production uh, people. So they were the editors and the sound designers and the soundtrack. All of that was Mumble. And they're so brilliant. I cannot rave about them enough. So when I got the calendar, I was like, what are you talking about? We need seven months for post-production? I was quite honestly astonished because I, I'm used to working in TV and film. Like people work like that. But when we started getting into it and refining everything, we truly used every minute of time. Um, and some, sometimes it was just going back and forth and figuring out what a portal sounded like and mumble going down and like recording actual, you know, objects to make it sound more real or like going back and forth on, on the, the music. I think they went down to the Fisherman's Wharf and recorded some stuff at an arcade just to put it in there and make it sound authentic. So. It was really, and, and it, they're based in San Francisco, which is where Third Eye is placed. And so having them kind of have that synergy of the San Francisco vibe, um, I think, I don't know if you could tell me this, but the, the aim was that we're going to evoke sort of like that gritty hippie side of San Francisco in a way where you could imagine magic around the corner, but it is a little seedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I did feel that vibe. As a matter of fact, uh, going out there a few times, and San Francisco has that, but that a lot of cities don't have. And I think you captured that, especially because the characters are just yes, they are this or that, but just slightly off center. And I think uh, that's so important to capture that and, and entertain. They're us very quirky. That. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. quirky. You know, I wanted to, again, if you're subverting the chosen one trope, you need to subvert the vampire trope. You need to yes. subvert the fairy princess trope. You need to subvert the uh, the uh, overachieving scrappy-do kid, you know, like every single step. It's like, I want to be able to do everything just one step left of center so that people get a little surprised. So thank you for saying that. Audio recording. Uh, also, there's voice manipulation going on here, too. So it's like people's voices can change depending on who they are. So that's another it's true. wrinkle. Not to spoil things, but yeah, some characters have effects on them because we are playing with minotaurs and vampires and all sorts of supernatural creatures. And, you know, the, the aim was to ground supernatural yeah. in reality and make it feel real. But at the same time, you want to make it feel authentic. And so adding reverb, adding echoes, adding like grit to people's voices. So they sound like they could be eight feet tall. Uh, it was really, it was such a fun process, to be honest with you. Really, lastly, I'm a huge fan of audio productions because you can take them anywhere. Personally, this, I'd like to listen to them with all the lights out and just your imagination turned loose and just hearing all the sounds with a good headset on and it just takes you somewhere else. I love that. It is really, I mean, again, the t attention to detail, the number of, you know, effects, especially there's some really big music, uh, magical sequences in this. Yeah. And so, and they're action packed. And in my mind, as someone who writes for TV or, you know, uh, web, I'm seeing everything happen. And it was such um, a lesson in storytelling and how to adapt what was physically in my head or visually in my head to make it audio friendly because you don't want anyone to be confused when you're confused you're you're out of the story right and so you d you can't have people uh wondering oh i didn't know that character was in that scene or where are they again or what are they doing and so it was a lot of work to just make sure you know sometimes we cut lines sometimes we recorded a line sometimes we uh you know added uh, sound effects even like 
a fork sound could maybe clear up where somebody is and what they're doing. And having that be really clear every step of the way was quite an education. And it made me excited to work in the format again, if I, I get the opportunity. I certainly hope you do, because I thought it was great what I've heard so far. I'm enjoying it. Just all the different voices and characters. Uh, credit to you for writing this and being in this. So uh, I hope you do more audio. And uh, this just adds another one to the great catalog of audio that Audible has done. So uh, congratulations on that. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know there's a lot of hard work. It's hard enough to edit a podcast, let alone something like this. Boy, so, oh boy. Yeah, five years. Five wow. years in the making, but wow. worth every worth every minute. <laughs> there you go. Congratulations again. Best of luck to you. Stay well and just keep producing because I think you do some amazing stuff. Thanks a lot, Tony. I will. Now, Third Eye is now available on audible.com. You got to check it out. If you're a Felicia Day fan, you'll love it. And if you've never heard of her, and shame on you, you definitely should download it as well. It's fun. There's some great voices in this that are funny and yet poignant as well. you got to check it out. And don't forget, Sci-Fi Talk Plus. You can get entire series and episodes complete and uncut without commercial interruption. At Sci-Fi Talk Plus, click on the link in the show notes for a free lifetime subscription offer. Yes, it is free. There's no catches. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.